first of all, um, I'd like to say that a lot of times when, again, you're going to know that at some point in time you're going to preach the Word of God, uh, you look for mm, nuggets of, of truth um, and things that maybe possibly could happen in your life or take place in one's life or lives of the lives of those around you, and you make notes, and, and you uh, ask God, God, is this a direction that um, you would have us go, or have me go? Um, so in that, I had a few things take place in, in working with young people, because that's what I do, and of course, working in a salon, but this comes from working with young people, and then also working with those that are in the salon. And what I've noticed, and I'm sure that many of you have noticed, that it seems like with young people, there is no um, loyalty. There is no um, impact or power of their word. Meaning, yeah, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to commit. So I can even use the word commitment, lack of commitment, uh, or just their commitment in general. Um, I, like to, I like to say this. It's them putting the skin in the game, okay, putting the skin in the game. And it seems like they, they don't really want to put the skin in the game. And so in conversation with young people and then also with people in the, in the salon. Just little nuggets have been dropped here and there. And I thought, okay, this is something that I, I feel that I see and just want to talk about. So, uh, and I believe God would have this. And I believe that he wants this. Um, so as I present this message, I want to tell you one thing that um, probably I'm going to make some of you very uncomfortable tonight. Some of you may be possibly upset with me tonight um, because I'm going to talk about money. I'm going to talk about your money, your finances. I want to talk about your possessions. I'm going to talk about your time. And in reality, if you have the right heartbeat tonight, you wouldn't have an attitude with me or you wouldn't be talking and thinking, why is he going to make me uneasy or why am I going to be uncomfortable? Because realistically, if you're in the right heartbeat, you know that it's not your money anyways or your finances. It's God's. Number two, it's not your time. It's God's time. He's the one that gives time. He made time, and he'll cut your time whenever he wants to cut your time. And we know that we've heard it preached that it is that dash. And I just happened to be watching TV the other night, and I saw where uh, Alan Combs had died. I was like, wow, what the heck? And they even put that up there, from this to this, and there's the dash. It's like, whoa. And for some of you that are younger, that dash seems like forever. In reality, it's really not forever because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. But because the way that we think about things, we think, oh, well, I'm only 20, so I've got. In reality, we really don't. So it's God's time. It's God's possessions. What you have is what God has allowed you to have. Amen? And so, so when I, we want to talk about this, what I don't want to do is I don't want to get up here and then start debating about, like, even the word tithe, okay? Because I'm going to tell you that in the, I, have, I have done a lot of studying in regards to, like, tithing and offering and alms, okay? And so I don't want to get into all of that because it all comes down to one thing, the condition of your heart. So if we are talking about all these words, whether we're talking about a tithe or an offering or an alm, okay, whatever we're talking about, it all goes back to the condition of the heart. It goes back to the motives, motives of the heart. 
God's going to look at all of that. So I share a few things. Um, I wrote down here, TV religious hucksters have given a bad name to Christians and Christian giving. Because of such abuse, many believers are living perplexed lives as Christians, while pastors are afraid to deal with the important subject of money. Now, there are many pastors that uh, are not afraid to speak about money and talk about money. But there are a lot of pastors, they really don't want to touch that subject because they don't want to upset people. They don't want to get people uh, upset at them. So I'm not a pastor, okay? And so I thought, fine, I'm going to take the liberty and the freedom to talk about money, possessions, time, things of that nature. Um, It's important that that it's clear on what Scripture teaches about giving. Uh, How am I uh, going to pick, excuse me. The que- it's important that it's clear on what Scripture teaches about giving. The question many times is, that, is asked or asked is, how much should I give? How much should I give? And, but if I give that, uh, how am I going to make ends meet or pay my bills? Okay, because somebody will answer and say, well, this is what... This is what Scripture says. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to. I don't want to debate that. I want to give you an indication it's this or it's that. Okay? I'm not going to do that tonight because that's not what this is about. This is about the heart. This is about the motives. This is about where you are. This is about what kind of skin are you going to put in the game. That's what this is about. So... In that, uh, by saying that, um, if, if I would say, you're supposed to give 10%. You're supposed to give a tenth. Um, in most cases, well, that's to fall short. We're talking about God. We're talking about God. In most cases, that would be to fall short. Uh, God wants us to give generously as he has prospered us. Okay? Now, I'm not going to preach a prospering message either. Any of you know me know that I'm not into name it and claim it and, and all of that? I'm not. So, you can start looking at Levitical law and you can look at Deuteronomy and you can go through and um, read about the first fruits and you can go all the way into then the New Testament and see what the Word of God is saying in the New Testament. But what I want to do is I challenge you, go ahead and do all that. Spend the time to see what God's Word is telling you about not tithing, not offering, not alms, but this, giving. And I'm not trying to change any of the words I just want you to see what God says about giving. Number one, who should give? All believers should give to the Lord. Would everybody in here agree to that? Amen? If you're a believer, you should give to the Lord. Giving is a privilege, and it is a responsibility for those that have received from God the gift of eternal life. It is. Now, there is possibly someone here that could hold up to me and challenge me in regards to um, what I felt about churches and pastors and money and money and the giving of money, okay, before I was saved. Okay? There's probably some of you that could, could challenge me in that. But I had my own idea, my own concept on what was going on and taking place in the church. And you know, I forget what shows or movies it is, but um, the world kind of has that concept too, from what I said earlier, the hucksters. Um, Because I know I've watched television programs where, and I forget which one it was, but you know, they had an earbud here, and what happens is someone's like, in a back room, and they have cameras everywhere, and they're saying, that person right there, get that person right there. And then they start speaking to the dude's ear, and the dude starts saying things. And what they've done is they've, they've made things of God that is, that is real and alive and true. They've made it a joke. 
Unbelievers frequently gripe that the church is always after their money. I did that. I knew it. And it seemed like when I was invited, it was always like a, um, a revival. And so they took up more than one offering. So I'm going, yes, yeah, see? Two offerings. You imagine the people that are unbelievers that come here, like today, two offerings. As a pastor, you would go, oh, pick up two offerings. You ever been here when there's been three offerings? The Gideons might be here. Unfortunately, many believers feel the same way as the unbelievers. They come in and out of the sanctuary week after week with no concern of giving or of not giving or of possibly robbing God. Uh, Both are right in one sense. God God is after their money, okay? God's after your money. Pastor's not after your money. And if you go to another church, that pastor's not after your money. Now, you might go to a church, and you might find a pastor that is using the money the wrong way. So if you're sitting out there tonight, and you're someone who thinks, oh, I wonder what Pastor Joe does with all that money. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to share this with you. I've known him for a long, long time. Okay, a long time. He doesn't want to know what any of you give. He doesn't. And, and you know, I know why he doesn't, because I'm, I'm made of the same thing. Because if I knew what you're giving or not giving, I'd be like, Tuh. And then it wouldn't be good for me. Because I'd be like, Really? Because in my mind, I'd already think, well, you must make this amount of money. You should be able to give this. And you're only giving this? And who am I to even be thinking anything? Amen? But guess what? You're made of the same thing that I am, so you would do the same thing. You would do the same thing. So, really, both are right in the same sense. God is after their money because... um, Their hearts are bound up with the treasure, and God wants their hearts to be devoted to him. So see, if you're all wrapped up in the thing, this money thing, God is after your money because, see, to get to you, he needs to get through the money. All he's concerned about is this. He's concerned about the condition of your heart. Amen? And then when the condition of your heart is right... (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, I can't give God a, enough. Not Pastor Joe. Not the pastor. I can't give God enough. This is so much fun giving money away. I mean, wow. I'll I tell you, <clears throat> we live in a country and there's nothing worse Sometimes three times a year, two dump truck loads, okay? We had to put on our lane. It's like dumping 800 bucks down that lane. And sometimes it's two and three times a year, depending on the season. It stinks. That's throwing money away. But see, when you're just like, yeah, I'm giving to God. I mean, you should be, I don't have a smile on my face when I see that gravel. I do because it feels good when you're driving down it instead of the mud. Mm, I still have that uneasiness. When you, the fact that someone resents giving money or giving to God, it's a definite indicator of the condition of one's heart. Amen? It's a condition of your heart. It really, really is. When, before I was saved, it didn't have anything to do with where I went. It wouldn't matter what church I went to. I, I felt the same way sitting in my own church at that point in time was the Catholic church. I'm like, here, yeah, they're asking for money again. Because, see, 
at that point in time, guess whose money that was? My money. I worked for that. I worked hard. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says, And they did this not just as we had hoped, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and to us by the will of God. We need to be clear that if a person has given his or her heart to God in response to God's giving his son on the cross to pay the penalty for their sins, then we should want to give to the Lord's work. And there's scripture, okay? Hebrews 13, 16 says, And do not re- neglect to do good and to share what you have, for God is pleased, pleased with such sacrifices. And what happens is, that's what I'm saying, is once, once God redeems you, once you know what he has done for you, then, then all of a sudden, this stuff, okay, it's just stuff that God's given to you. He's given you an ability to earn money, and it's, our way of giving back to God, and then in return, God does what he needs to do with it. He, got, he does his work. He furthers his work, okay? Giving to the Lord should be a desire. It should be a passion. Giving should be a thank offering to God. I just said, I mean, it should be like this when you're giving to God. It's like, here, here. Take more. You want more? Here. That's what it should be like. And a lot of times it's not. Okay? Because it's kind of like, here, you can have half of that. And it shouldn't. It really, really shouldn't. should be a desire, a passion. Giving should be a thank offering to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 8.2 says that during a severe ordeal or suffering, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in the wealth of their generosity. In the wealth of their generosity. Giving is for believers and it should be done by all believers. Poor Christians as well as rich should give to the Lord. And you know what? You can look around and I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy will do some wild and crazy things with your mind. Wild and crazy things. And I've shared this before when I've been behind a pulpit. I like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I am a, I'm a pretty boy, Okay. I like to look a certain way. I like my hair to look a certain way. I like to dress a certain way. I like certain shoes. I like certain ties, okay? And normally, I might throw a curveball once in a while and walk in like a couple weeks ago and I had a flannel on. Somebody was like, actually, I didn't even know that was you, Lenny. I'm like, yeah, I can do that, okay? But what happens is the enemy gets in there and messes around with the head. And when I'm here on Sunday mornings, I would never, ever, 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 because I, again, because of knowing scripture, want to be counted as one of those that wants to sit in the front pew. Although I've sat in the front pew since I got saved. Because I want to be noticed. And because of my fine linen. But see, the enemy messes with my head. And it's like, I don't want, I don't want these people that come in that maybe possibly they don't have threads, okay, of those type of threads. I don't want them to ever think that I'm looking down at them. But the enemy messes with my head and tells me, yeah, yeah, that's what they're thinking. That's what they're thinking. And scripture talks about we we shouldn't be like that, right? Okay, so that goes through my head. The, The point there is, when, when God saved me, one of the reasons I sit there, you don't want me sitting in the back, especially when I'm looking at your hair. <laughs> Bam. I look at hair, I go, longer on the left side than the right side. That's a bogus A-line. Whoever tried to cut your A-line, they didn't know what they were doing. That's a shoddy taper. Your, your cut is not on point. Okay. It's truth. 
I'm too busy looking at other people. That's why I don't sit back there. I sit here. Okay? I have a hard enough time staying focused right there. Amen? Okay. So, poor Christians as well as rich should give to the Lord. Luke 21, 1-4 says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. He also saw a, saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all offered their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. She poured it all out. Guess what? She put the skin in. She put it all in. When I talk about skin, I have young people at work, you know, and they're wanting, we're going to have a, uh, somebody come in, and this class uh, starts at eight grand, and then you can get this, you can get this, you can get this. And, and then what happens is they're looking at me saying, how much are you going to put in? How much skin am I going to put in? I'll put in this much. And then if there's five of you, you divide that number, and it's this amount. You know, then when you make the phone call, she wants your credit card. I haven't given her my credit card yet. You know why? Because some of them, they haven't given me their skin yet. And, and I know if I don't get their money, they won't say, yeah, I'm coming. And then the 23rd comes or the 19th or whatever date it is. And it's like, oh, well, I, I, had, a, I had something else to do. And so it just costs me more money, okay? So the question is, how much skin are you putting into this? God gave it all. He gave, he gave it all. And so once you know what God gave and then he give, he's given you eternal life, then you should be putting in a lot of skin. Many Christians will ask this, is it wrong to be in debt? I've heard that. Okay? We can get ourselves in fixes. Because, see, we don't get what we need. We get what we want. Okay? Again, I told you, I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable. Get in your possessions, your personal life, your finances. That is all of your world. But really, it's God's possessions, God's finances, God's time, things of that nature. This one thing I'm going to tell you, if you're in debt, it's hard to be free to give generously when you owe people money. You know, when I'm skipping around going, yeah, put more in, I want to give it all. If you're like this, you it's hard to put it in. If you've done this to yourself, because that's what we do. God didn't do that to you. Bruce is the one that says, he didn't give you that truck. You got that truck, but along with that truck came the payment book this thick. Right? So, look, I understand you can say, well, Mr. Ross, sir, that's none of your business. You're right. It is God's business, right? It is God's business. So, when, but when people ask that, and you know what? I love to coach and mentor young people. I love to try and tell them, you know what? As little debt as possible. As little debt as possible. As little debt as possible. And you know how I know? Ask me how I know. Because I found out the hard way. Right? That's why. So what we want to do is say, oh, I want to keep you from that. Again, as pastor says, it's about the box that keeps the enemy or the trouble out, not to keep you in. Okay? I tell the young people that so that they don't find themselves a year later, creditors call. And there's nothing worse than trying to run from those guys. Okay? And then what's something even worse? Try to run from the internal revenue service. Doesn't happen. And I have young people, and I tell them that. You better be paying your taxes.
One thing I will tell you is, if you are buying this, buying that, buying this, I want this, I want this, I want this, not need, I want this, I want this, I want this, it's going to be hard to do what God really, really wants to do in your life, to allow you to to just jump around and throw money at him like I just said. And that's with your time, okay? That's with your possessions. That's with everything. That's with everything. Acts 20, 35 says, By all these things I have shown you that by working in this way we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And the title of my message is, The Highest Level of Living is Giving. I try to teach the young people that in the classroom all the time. The highest level of living is giving. It doesn't matter what it is. Giving of your time. Giving of your resources. Giving of your money. Whatever it may be. But it's, that's the, I mean, that's the fun of it. It is. That's the way to live. Not being bound up. You might ask, why should I give? I should give because God has first given to me and I want to please him. I want to do everything that I can to please God. And so right now we just happen to be talking about giving and offerings and money and time. Now, I want to tell you, God, I said earlier, God's going to look at the heart. He's going to look at the heart. He really is. And there's a lot of motives for giving. Now, remember I said I was unsaved. This first one is pride. If you give to be honored by men for your great generosity, you are giving for the wrong reason. Giving is to be done in secret before God. So that's not filling out a pledge card and saying, I'm going to give 10 grand so everybody can see it. Because see, before I was saved, and when I did go to church, even though I had issues when I was sitting in a Catholic church and they're constantly asking for money. I mean, <laughs> they used to send you the they used to send you the little envelopes, okay, and that you put your money in, which would be the offering envelopes, okay. But it's just I used to be like, you know, and then I would come by and I do that, okay. But oh. When it was one of those, I'm bearing myself here. I'm telling you how I really was. It's like, yeah, check the box. Why? Because I wanted to be somebody. Eh. Be careful not to display your righteousness merely to be seen by people. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. Thus, whether you do charitable giving, do not blow a trumpet before you. I'm arriving. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets so that people will praise them. I tell you the truth, they have their reward. But when you do your giving, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your gift may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Yeah. Your father, God, is going to reward you. You don't need to blow the trumpet. Everybody doesn't have to know. The only person that is going to know is going to be God. And that's the way it should be given. But naming buildings after somebody or putting the plaques. You notice all the plaques out in the foyer? Have you noticed that? And remember, it was a few few months ago I was preaching. I said, and remember... When I'm gone, now when I'm gone, and if I change my will, and I give it to this church, I expect my name to be on that side of that pew, Pastor. It's going to happen, right? Okay. But is that not what they do? You ever been? I have. I've been to plenty of churches. You know what's funny? I've been to churches, and there's no longer one name on there. They've resold the pew. Yeah. There's like five names on there now. Am I right? 
I don't know if you've ever seen that. I have, okay? Guilt. Another motive. We would not give because we feel guilty about having so much. If we're not being good stewards of what, of what God has entrusted to us, then we should repent and give from the right motivation. We should not give because we feel guilty. So if you're feeling guilty, then you shouldn't be giving. You do it because, again, it's, it's the heartbeat. That's your heartbeat, to give, to give, to give. Greed. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use will be the measure you receive. Give, and it will be given to you, is wrongly used to motivate people to give so that they will get. There's monstrosities of ministries built on that scripture. That scripture, the greed scripture. He's not promising that if you give, God will give you more in return. He's stating the principle that if you are a generous person, others will be generous towards you, but you may give and be impoverished because you gave. See, we we think, we watch those ministries and we see them saying, oh, if you give, you're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to get. That's, That's not true. That's not true. Pressure. Responding to high-pressure tactics of Christian fundraisers is another wrong motive. We're not to give under compulsion. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one of you should give just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves the cheerful giver. He loves the cheerful giver. Gimmicks. This is related both to greed and pressure. All sorts of gimmicks are used to to get people to give. For your donation, I'll send you my latest book. Oh, and guess what? Today and today only, I'll sign it. I'll sign it. Uh, If I will give the names of my loved ones, it will be entered in a special book to be placed in the lobby out there. Of, or the new building that we're going to build. Um, or this is what I feel is the worst one that years ago made me. Because I was newly saved. I'm like, what the? Because I didn't know this scripture yet. I didn't know about this. But then I looked the scripture up. And then I'm thinking, what? We'll send you a special prayer cloth blessed by brother so-and-so. Have you heard that one? You know you have. Send this amount of money, and I'm going to send you the prayer cloth. It's been anointed by and prayed over by Brian Hayes. Surely that's going to work. These are all worldly gimmicks opposed to biblical giving. You got that? Maybe you fell into that. And I want to tell you, I come from a motivational vein before I was saved. Like, I like positive things and motivational things. And so, if I, if I want to set under the right pastor, I could have been reeled right in. Okay? Could have been reeled right in by some of those hucksters. But it's knowing the Word of God, knowing Scripture. Uh, the next one is power. Money is power. Some people threaten to take their large gifts elsewhere if you don't do what they want. <laughs> if, if, if he doesn't, I'm telling you, I'm out of here and I'm taking my money with me. As I said, there are those churches, they definitely know who the money people are. They do. That may be how politi- uh, politics operates, but it's not how God operates in the church. It's wrong to show preference to the wealthy. Many churches, church board members, 
They do that. That's what they do. Quick like. A story I have it written down. I worked when I was out of high school for a gentleman by the name of Bob Samsel. He was from Kirkersville area. He owned two companies. Buckeye Saw Company, S&C Saw Company. I ne- really hadn't been to Zanesville. And if I had been, back in the 70s, it was going through Zanesville. Uh, early 70s. It was going through Zanesville. Okay? And... I didn't know anything about the, like where Stakenstein was at that point in time. But I will tell you that what happened is SNC, I started working for the Saul Company. I worked for both companies. And uh, I would do that during the summer. And Bob Samsel used to wear the, I'm going to call them Wolverine boots. You know, he, and he'd always have a hanky. He always had snuff in there. And he'd walk like, he'd walk like this and... He was one of those guys that he had that stuff in his mouth. He also owned a bar, okay? And he was a really wealthy guy, but he didn't look like he was wealthy. And that's how he walked. And then he'd also, he drank beer at the same time he had that stuff in his mouth. And so we did a job one night, and we were in, at this point in time, I didn't know any of these places. We were like in Greenville, okay? Greenville, Ohio. And what we were doing is we were sawing pressure relief joints in the interstate when they were building new roads, pouring the concrete, and we were doing the pressure relief joints. In Zanesville, when I came through Zanesville, we were going out 60, Maple Avenue, and we started from uh, Stakenstein out because that was the city limits then. And we were, uh, the saw would go, and we were putting the reflectors, sawing the holes for the reflectors, Somebody come by with the glue, then the reflector would go in. Bob needed 10 new trucks. And we went to, uh, we went to, we were in Greenville, we were sawing all night long, and then we needed a few hours of sleep. And then we went to Columbus, and as I said, that's the way he walked, and he had a hanky in there in his jeans. And we were always a mess because you're sawing concrete. That stuff's blowing up in your face and all over you. And we got a little shut eye before we went to a car lot. And when we walked on the car lot, we were walking all over the place and everybody was ignoring us. And finally he said something and the guy said, I'll I'll get someone to to be with you. And... Not gonna, uh, by no means I'm going to say what he said. He, he was not a happy camper. We left. We went to the next car lot. He got his 10 trucks. And the guy's like, 10 trucks? I mean, the guy was like, what? So we go in. This is what he does. He starts going. See, he didn't remember earlier the suit, the threads, the linens. He didn't look like that. He looked like he didn't have two nickels to rub together. And then there's country club people who their electric's being turned off, their water's being turned off, but they belong to the country club. James 2.19, my brothers and sisters, do not show prejudice if you, possess, if you possess faith in your glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your assembly wearing a gold ring and fine clothing, and a poor person enters in in filthy clothes, do you pay attention to the one who is finely dressed and say, you sit here in good place? And to the poor person, you stand over there or sit on the floor. If so, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Did not God choose the poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Are not the rich oppressing you and dragging you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the good name of the one you belong to? But if you fulfill the royal law as expressed in this scripture... You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show prejudice, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as violators. It is sin to use your money to try and buy spiritual influence. And that's what 
churches succumb to that. They do. They end up allowing that to happen and take place. Acts 8, 18 through 24. Now Simon, when he saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, offered them money, saying, Give me this power too, so that everyone I place my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could acquire God's gift with money. You have no share or part of this matter, because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that he may perhaps forgive you for the intent of your heart. For I see that you are bitterly envious and in bondage to sin. But Simon replied, you pray to the Lord for me so that nothing of what you have said may happen to me. So those are wrong motives. The wrong reason for giving. And then some of the right motives. I give because God has given to me. God has given us everything. James 1, 17. He gave his son to provide for our salvation. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1 through 3. He richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. 1 Timothy 6 and 17. Because he has given to us so abundantly, we should respond by giving generously back to him. And again, if we go back to giving grudgingly or giving for all the wrong motives, I told you in the beginning of the message, God's he's looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. Second reason, I give because I want to please God. You give because you want to please God. Out of Response to God's grace in your life or in my life, I will want to please God by pursuing various spiritual goals. I want God to be glorified. God is glorified when we give from the, give from the right motives and in the right way. He's glorified when we give from the right motives and in the right way. God's glory is, overre- is the overreaching goal of the Christian life. It's the overreaching goal of the Christian life. It really is. And see, what we do is we get bound up and we start asking all those questions like, well, if we give or if we tithe, well, first of all, what is a tithe? Uh, oh, and do we tithe? If we're going to tithe, then do we tithe on the gross or the net? Okay, and again, I said, I told you to begin the message. Oh, no, I don't want to get into all that. You're, if you're trying to decide whether you're giving, tithing, or offering on the gross or the net, you're playing games. <laughs> it's the motive, okay? Again, God's going to look at the motive. He's going to look at the heart. And then he's gonna, going to just weigh that. That's what he's going to do. And we all know, we all, we all know, we do. I want my heart to be right before God, Jesus said. Where your, or, I want my heart to be right before God. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, earlier I said one of the things, money is power. Okay, money's power. It. When you have money, it makes life really easy. It really does. Do you, understand, do you guys understand that? Okay. And, and I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I didn't come from much money. I ask or invite anyone to come and see where I grew up and how I grew up. Okay. Um, it was a small house. And we didn't have a lot. Our house, I mean, we weren't. But some people say, well, you weren't, like Teresa will say, you weren't poor. And then she'll say, I was poor. Okay. What I'm saying is now, and to be real honest with you, okay, I had goals in life. And can I share with you? My goals were interrupted. They were like sabotaged. Like, 
I'm going, what? And you know who was behind that? God. God was. So that they all go, and then they'd be in, in right order. And I can still remember, I still want, like, I want this, this dream house, okay? So I guarantee you, Bruce probably didn't think I was a dream customer, okay, when my house was being built. Like, I had pictures, okay, and I had ideas because I'm a visual person, okay, and I had certain things, right? So now it's like, like, I'll stand back and take a picture of the house. It's like, and I smile really big. And then guess what? All of a sudden I start going, that's my house. That's my house. And then I, I, I know God's saying, whoa, whoa. But the reason I do that, because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a very visual individual. And so in that, I just know that visually, I don't want to go back to what I grew up in. Okay? And so all my goals and everything that I was striving for before I was saved was, was the wrong reasons, the wrong motives. But then God comes along and God changes the heart and then puts things in the right perspective. Amen? So then things are lining up. Your heart follows your treasure. If I want my heart concerned with the things of God, then I must invest in his work. So you're going to invest in his work. I want God to be my master. You cannot serve God and mammon. Generous giving loosens your grasp on money. When you get used to giving, and when you see the results of giving, it loosens that grasp on money. It really does. Uh, I believe it's been Pastor and Bruce that's mentioned that the one lady that was dying, she gave all the money to research and of apes. Was it? Was apes. It's like, what? Can you imagine what God could have done with that money? The lives that could have been changed, the things that could have been done. But see, we get caught up in all kinds of crazy things. I want my life to be used by God. Second Corinthians nine or two, nine and ten. God could have chosen to work apart from us, but he didn't do that. He could have used angels. He could have used loudspeakers. He could use the internet. There's all kinds of things he could have used from heaven to spread the gospel, but he chose to use us. It takes money to further God's work. It does. It takes money to further God's work. Now, if you don't give, God will use someone else and you'll miss the blessing of being used by God. Think about, like in a Catholic church, you know, it would be like in a bulletin. And sometimes they'd even be up, like on the side. You'd see like the offer, last week's offering. It might even go back three weeks or whatever. But then you'd open that up and it'd say, oh, electricity, this, this, this. It's like, and sometimes there'd be a, like a deficit. Okay, a deficit. And you know in your own personal lives what it's like to be messing with your checkbook. And today they don't mess with you. You guys just go in line and look to see what your balance is. Okay? And, and unfortunately that may not be your balance because if you're someone like, I'm not going to name names, but some of the people that work in my salon who sometimes people write checks to them personally and they go around and you see that they have like eight or ten checks and some of them are back from September and I'm even one of those people, okay? And, you, and as far as you know, that check went through because you didn't ever balance your checkbook. And then all of a sudden, they, they, five of my people from Lenny's Hair Designs decide, I'm going to go cash my tip checks. And they cash them, and then all of a sudden, things are going, you're getting these things in the mail. 
God could have chosen to work apart from us, but he did not. He could have used angels. He could have used a lot of things, but he chose us. I want to lay up treasures in heaven. Investments on earth are insecure. Investments in heaven are secure and eternal. There is no more sound investment than that of reaching people with the proof, with the good news of Christ. God credits money, which he, we give to further his kingdom as fruit to our account. And he will, he will reward us for it someday. Matthew 6, 4, 19 through 20. 1 Timothy 6, 19 are scriptures that back that. I want my faith to grow. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 8 through 11. God will provide money for you to give if you would trust him for it. If you're willing to be a channel for God's resources, he will give you money to give. But if you bottle it up and keep it for your own comforts, then the flow will dry up. Ask God to give you money to give, then make sure you give it. Here's, here's the deal there. If you're, if you're, if you're asking a miss, it's not going to happen. But if you're asking God to give you, so, so here's what I'm doing. I'm bringing that around to those of us or those of you in here. You're going, okay, I, I just don't know how I'm going to even start giving to God. I have buried myself to the point that I can't even pay those that I do owe. Then start crying out to God for the money to give him, to further his kingdom. And here's another thing. Some people may not like it, but of course I run from this vein, and this isn't scriptural. So you might say, well, why are you even saying it? I'm going to say, if you buried yourself that much, then you might want to just work a little harder. You might want to find job number two or even job number three to help get it paid. But I would still make it here. So you say, well, I can work all those days, but this day I set aside for the Lord. God will provide money for you to give if you'll trust him for it. If you're willing to be a channel for God's resources, he'll give you money to give. Okay? I want to be a compassionate person. And I want to tell you this, and I'm going to wrap things up. When I first got saved, it was like, I was like that. I wanted to give. I wanted to give. I was like, yes, give. Because I was a pretty giving person before I got saved. But then, you know, I always wanted something in return before I got saved, okay? Now I don't want anything in return. If God blesses me, he blesses me. And I'm being honest, okay? And guess what? God has blessed me. He has blessed me. He really, 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 really has, okay? For me even... And I'm not, I'm not trying to, but for me even to think of what he has blessed me with, I'm like, what? The talent that he's given me? I was nothing but a punk hood, thug. What he has blessed me with, the ability to teach and mold and shape young lives. Wow. But when I was first saved, it was like, yeah, give, 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 give. And then all of a sudden, I started seeing some of those hucksters and realizing, realizing, ooh, ooh. And then you start reading about this ministry and that ministry and then actually being associated possibly with some of those type of people and going, ooh, ooh, wait a minute. And then, of course, now, you know, every corner you stand on or you're, they're standing on, you're going, wait a minute. He still hasn't got a job yet? I mean, it used to be like, here, here, here. And then you see him run, walk across the street. So if you go into respects, they're in respects. They're getting cigarettes and Was it Mad Dog 2020 or whatever it was, or Boone's Farm? Right? 
And you're going. And so you're kind of going like this, back and forth. I want to be compassionate. And then I don't want to be compassionate. I want to say, give me my money back. Okay? And then you go, okay, God, I mean, you're giving it. You're giving it unto the Lord, right? Here, I'm giving it unto the Lord. There's that part. But then there's that part God's saying, be a good steward of your money. If you're watching the person walk in, or they're going over to get a fix, you're not being a good steward of your money. But that's the world we live in. I want to be a compassionate person. In days like ours, when we're hit with so many needs from all over the place, it's easy to close up your heart and not give it all. I don't know about you, but I've found myself there before. Just done giving. One few years back, I mean, I start my year off every year telling my students, you need money? You need to borrow money? I'll give you money. Come see me. There's students in here, they'll, that former students, they'll tell you that. I've given people as much as like $500 before. And I call it my mad money, okay, because it is my mad money. It's not, it's just money that I have there. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I hope I get that back. Girl went away. January came. She walked in with my money. That same girl, I thought I was building all this trust, gave her, put a car in her name. She owed it. I said, you 25 bucks a week. And she split. She split owing Money in our apartment and then also never paying for the car and we had to pay for the car. So then, you know, it's like, you know what? No, I'm not giving anymore. And then all of a sudden, then God has to make you aware again. Wake up your senses. I know we can't respond to every poor person around us in the world, but we need to do all that we can do to show compassion. I want to be a worshiper of God. Giving is a sacrifice that pleases God. King David knew the connection between giving and worship. He said, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. Give enough that it pinches your lifestyle. Give enough that it pinches your lifestyle. If it's convenient, it's not worship. Worship. Is costly. It's going to cost you. Remember I talked about skin? It's going to cost you. Because God has given so abundantly to me, and because I want to please him, I'm motivated to give cheerfully and generously to all of his work. What will happen when I give? When I give, God will bless with his results. His results. Not mine. His. Now, I can be exhaustive by... By giving you this, but let me mention five results of God's results. You and your family, you'll be blessed. God blesses faith and obedience, which are not at the heart of biblical giving, which are at the heart of biblical giving. If you give, God promises to supply your needs. Not your wants, but your needs. B, other needs will be met. God's work and workers will not be hindered. The needs of the poor will be met. The needs of those that need Christ, they'll be met. The needs of the people around you that need a, a, a word in time of need, their needs will be met. See, God will be thanked and glorified. He will get the praise if we give his way. D, the body of Christ will be united in prayer and fellowship. Since your heart follows your treasure, you will be concerned about and will pray for those to whom you give. There's a dead and dying world out there that need you, that need us, that need this church. E, people will spend eternity with God because of your giving. How can you put a price tag on that? What's more important than someone's life? What's more important in someone's life? And we're not talking about their life. We're talking about their spiritual life. So as we close and as the sound booth puts on music, I want you to go back to the beginning. 
where I talked about the highest level of living is giving. Where are you in your giving? Giving of your time, giving of your money, giving of your resources, giving of your possessions. And at one point in time, I was walking like this. I said, you know, if you're bound and you're handcuffed, you're not going to be able to give. And many times we do that to ourselves. God will provide a way of escape. He's a miraculous God. So as the music plays, I'd ask that you talk to the Lord. Ask God to meet your needs. And show you his way in living and giving.